Well, I want to welcome all of you to this uh, chapel service today, and we also welcome God's presence among us. Holy God, you call us together to reflect on your word and our life in your world. Be with us now as we sing and share and pray together that we may hear your voice and understand your way. This we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to just acknowledge that this is um, a, a CPE chapel that features the unit that I had this summer. It was a summer intensive unit, and that means lots of really hard, crunched-in work in 10 weeks. I have two of my students here, and two will be on Zoom today. Uh, Courtney Alvarado and Rhonda Thorne are here today, and I'll introduce them a little bit more later. Um, Clay, if you could just pull up the picture of the group so that we kind of have the, the group there that... Um... <laughs> yeah, this is our group from the summer, just to give you uh, a sense of, of who we are. Sing number 10 in uh, Voices Together. Let's stand. Um, if you're able, number 10 here in this place. You may be seated. 
On the back of your program is a circle prayer for CPE. I will read the lighter bold print and uh, ask that you read the bold print. Or the blue, she'll read the blue if it's on the screen. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the love of the Lord is the healing remedy. We give you thanks for making us channels of your compassion. When we are ill, it is you who cures us. Thy mercy to us is our healing in both this world and the world to come. We give you thanks for making us dwelling places of your love. We share journeys with those who walk in pain and in fear, with broken hearts and hurting bodies. That hurt cannot shatter hope. It cannot eat away peace. It cannot silence courage. It cannot quench the spirit. We give you thanks for our companions along the way. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep. Tend the sick, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous. We give you thanks for being present in every darkness in every room. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. We give you thanks for Christ in every face, Holy Spirit in every voice, the sacred in every story. In thy good time, rest time restore us to health. Grant that we may dwell with thee in life everlasting. We give you thanks for your life eternal and your hope everlasting. In the name, name of, of the Trinity, Trinity in, the in the heart of, of every faith, for the, for the goodness, goodness of, of your creation, creation we, we give, give you thanks. thanks. Amen. Amen. Our readings from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, when I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. Let's sing together number 612 in Voices Together. Number 612. Thank 
faith seems so pointless that you cannot pray when no one knows quite what to say. Then hold on, hold on to find a way to get through And you can't hold on, we will hold on to you. If God is Well, that was a new song to me as of last week, and I found it, and I thought that could be an anthem for chaplaincy ministry. Um, the questions of um, when I can't hold on to hope for myself. Um, and often, I, with students, reflect on the fact that sometimes we hold hope for others um, when we meet them. And so I just really um, love that song and the message in it. I want to tell you a little bit about CPE, and I don't want to, I sometimes talk too much, and I want to make sure that the students have plenty of time to share from their experiences of CPE, so uh, I'm going to try to stick more to my script than sometimes I do. Just in general, I wanted to just share um, what clinical pastoral education is in terms of the organization that we associate with. Um, so we're a part, a member of the Association for Clinical Pastoral Education, which is a nationwide accredited program. Um, and this is from the website. ACPE is the premier Department of Education recognized organization that provides the highest quality CPE programs for spiritual care professionals of any faith and in any setting. 
We do this through a rigorous accreditation and certification process for centers and educators that provide CPE. The depth of our training enables students to realize their full potential to strengthen the spiritual health of people in their care as well as themselves. Our EMSC CPE program is unique here at the seminary, and in this context, we intend to serve the overall mission of EMS in its calling to grow as followers of Jesus Christ and to be increasingly prepared to serve and lead in the global context. Some of our history, our program went from a vision of some folks here at the seminary about over 20 years ago to a reality through the establishment of a million dollar endowment made to the seminary by Norman and Lena Yetzi and their family. Norman was a pastor as well as a dairy and poultry farmer. He had taken a CPE unit during an early, early pastorate and regarded that experience as profoundly beneficial to his life and ministry. Kenton Durstein uh, was hired in 2000 as director of our program, and thanks to his patient and persistent guidance uh, as my primary educator over the years, I became certified as an educator in uh, 2016 of May and became director in 2020 as Kenton moved closer to the retirement. Um, so quite a blessing in my life, uh, that, that journey. Um, so over the course of 20 years, we've drawn on various ministry placements and sites uh, where students serve their clinical hours. Um, CPE involves like 300 hours of ministry practice and 100 hours of instructional time. It's, that's sort of what's expected for the accreditation. We use hospital systems, retirement communities, prison systems and transitional living housing for persons re-entering communities, um, and congregational settings. One of the unique components of our program, as opposed to, say, a hospital um, CP program, is our ability to offer professional ACP credit of up to one half of one's clinical hours being served in a pastoral ministry. And this flexibility allows our students who are currently serving as pastors to draw upon their congregational experience along with ministry in a hospital and retirement community. So that's kind of unique to, to our program. Currently, I have six students, in the, and they're all serving at SRMH or in their congregational ministries. Um, the students who will be sharing with us today um, we're part of the 2021 cohort, as I said. Um, their ministry placements this summer were quite diverse, including uh, Goodwin House, which is a large, reti large retirement community in Alexandria and Arlington, Virginia. The Virginia Hospital Center, is, which is in Arlington, Virginia. Heritage Roanoke Retirement Community. And then uh, I think all of us, except for the two of us, served at SRMH together. Um, quite a bonding experience to, to spend uh, hours and hours together over 10 weeks. Sometimes it feels like it's gonna last forever and never gonna get through it, right? And then it just zips by. Um, we had a lot of fun. We laughed together and we definitely cried together. So what is CPE? Uh, what is unique about it? It's this educational experience. It is a process of education that's based on an action, reflection, action process of learning with close attention to the dynamics that shape us personally and professionally in the areas of pastoral formation, competence, and reflection. This work includes paying attention to patterns, behaviors, assumptions, and values learned in the context of one's family and other life experiences, which tend to shape one's identity and functioning in ministry. This is the difficult and often transforming work. In these relationships with persons who are experiencing some of the most difficult periods of their lives and their families' lives, this is often a place of disorientation for a ministering person, as one grapples with how to best be a resource to encourage, to bring hope, to empower persons to make decisions that lead toward wholeness and health. In the process, I am touched and changed. My faith is challenged and deepened. My values and passion for ministry is often clarified. And I embrace learning as a lifelong learner. There's always room to grow, I have discovered. One of our efforts in our program is to get clear about the theology that shapes one's ministry practice. 
According to a book by Joel Green called Salvation, he speaks of the definition of the biblical portrait of human nature, which points towards three things. Restoration to covenantal relationship to God, recovery of human community in its vitality, and the reintegration of oneself as a person fully embodied in relation to others and to the world in which life with and before God might be lived. This has become part of my vision for my work in chaplaincy and as an educator. For me, this work has been about developing capacity for more self-understanding in the context of relationships, of moving towards more maturity in my practice based upon my most solid theological and life principles. Students come to CP with the idea that they're going to learn the skills to do ministry in a variety of settings, in times of loss, crisis, failing health, addictions, mental health, aging bodies, and the pandemic has also challenged our capacity to provide spiritual care. And it's true, we do work on those skills. However, students are often surprised by the amount of self-reflection, of imagining how one's family of origin, life experiences, social location, culture, gender, to name a few, impact how one functions in ministry. Henry Nowen draws on the concept of hospitality to speak about the patient and spiritual care provider relationship. He says, our most important question is not what to say or do, but how to develop enough inner space where the story can be received. Developing that inner space is crucial. Bringing new awareness and insights and challenging oneself to do it a bit differently next time is the really hard work. It takes courage to explore one's deeply held beliefs, theological positions, in the context of an often diverse patient population. CPE aims to provide that space in the context of relationships with peers, educators, mentors, patients, and staff. It is sacred work. I'm going to turn the time to the students now, and I'm just going to briefly introduce them um, in the order that they will go and for, for the sharing. Um, Kara Matasat, who's not with us today, she'll be joining us via Zoom. Uh, she's currently a degree-seeking student at Virginia Theological Schools in Alexandria. Um, she's in the ordination process to become a priest in the Episcopal Church tradition. Ernest Ogzobor, he came to CP with a PhD in Peace and Conflict Studies from George Mason University and years working for the Red Cross in his home country of Nigeria. Um, he's currently a student at VTS as well, um, although he's from the Baptist tradition, and he served at Virginia Hospital Center in Arlington. Courtney Alvarado, who is with us today, came to our program from El Paso, Texas. Her husband was recently deployed to South Korea, and Courtney chose to move east to live with her parents and family in this time of transition, and she chose this opportunity to complete a unit of CPE, which is part of the requirements for her ordination in the Evangelical Lutheran Tradition uh, Church in America. Um, she's also a, currently a chaplain candidate in the military and is working towards a D-man, right? Um, and she completed her hours at Centaur RMH. Rhonda Thorne, who is with us here today as well, completed her MDiv degree from United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Rhonda completed her ministry assignment in two different sites as a chaplain intern at RMH and the Heritage, Hermitage Roanoke Retirement Community in Roanoke, Virginia. That's a member of Pinnacle Living. She's a member of the Metropolitan Community Church of the Blue Ridge and serves in a lay leader role there. Just recently, can I share this? She was accepted into a chaplaincy residency at Centra Health in Lynchburg, Virginia. Woohoo! <laughs> Uh, we had two other students who are not going to be sharing today, uh, William Yeagle and Trey Light, um, to make our group of six people. So that's the group, and I'm going to just welcome Kara to the group now. Good to see you, Kara. It is so good to see you, and, um, and thanks so much to Penny for inviting us to regather in this virtual and physical and sacred space again. Um, it was everything that she has said this past summer, and it was just an astounding time and place to be, and we learned so, so much. Um, early in the summer, uh, I kept coming back to this, this, this experience um, that sort of uh, 
gave me an idea of what the summer would be like in some ways. I had stepped into the hospital room of an older patient who was suffering from dementia and she wasn't aware of where she was. Um, she did not know me. She was living somewhere in her past and draped across her bed was a piece of fabric and she was sewing it, not actually sewing. She didn't have a needle or a thimble or thread, um, but her hands were sewing in this beautiful, silent dance. And I could see the tension of the thread as she pulled it against the air. I could see her concentration as she peered very closely at invisible stitches. The memory of that work was so embedded in her that her hands knew how to do it, even though her mind was no longer aware. I sat with her for a while. I talked with her or talked um, around her. She was not very verbal, um, but um, was there with her, prayed, and um, was so moved by this window into who this woman is and was imagining what she must have sewed over the years, you know, perhaps children's clothes or wedding dresses. And that was the first of so many moments of grace over the course of the summer. As chaplains, we never knew what we would step into when we entered a room. Sometimes they did not want to talk. Um, other times they needed a nurse or something practical that we could help with. But often they needed to talk. And um, often those topics had nothing necessarily to do with why they were in the hospital to begin with. We would hear about their grandchildren and their parents and their dogs and cats and their favorite ice cream, um, what they wanted to do, their hopes and their dreams, um, their griefs and their fears, but also the joys in their lives. Um, for a few minutes or a few hours, we would share their journey just by being present, just by listening. And then we would step back out of their lives again. The hospital is a place where we come face to face with the differences between us. And we see very clearly the way that people are hurting and grieving um, families as well as patients. But over and over, we realize how much we share in common, not only grief and loss and hurt, but also hope and healing and how much love it is possible to give and receive from people who would otherwise be strangers. So I will read um, a reflection that was part of our final project, which was our own reflection on the summer and um, addresses this idea of entering and emerging. There are those journeys underground when time stands still in the flickering of a candle, in a cavern like a cathedral hall, and a mile is the distance of a day, a single room, an obstacle course filled with boulders. And at the end of it, we walk up through the mountain and into the bright afternoon, unable to express to the ones who stayed on the trail, the darkness and the light and the guides who knew the way because otherwise we never would have come back. There are swaying motionless hours, swimming at the edge of the mysterious forever, lifted by swells that the ocean doesn't even notice to see the horizon in its steadfastness, the sky in its impermanence. Today, sun-filled and white clouded until the light dies and the moon rises. And at the end of it, we walk up through the tide, pulling onto the sand, clumsy and cold and searching for towels. And once the afternoon fades into moonrise, we still feel the rise and fall of the waves when we go to sleep. There are weeks when time stands still in the flickering of lives, the brightness of eyes, the pull of the ocean, the setting of the sun, the stories a motorcycle sidecar flying through God's creation, skydiving a second and third time, floating down to earth with someone who's done this before, the invisible quilt sewn by a voice that may have forgotten how to speak, but hands that have never forgotten the tension of thread and the way the needle pulls it through, the angel dying in her bed, 
family fanning her with cool air and all she wants to do is rise up her pale skin because she is saying her goodbyes and by morning will have left we meet the world in here the ones who weep the ones who laugh the ones who have grieved too much the ones who are angry the ones who are homeless the ones who have hurt each other the ones with dogs the ones who cook the ones who farm the ones who travel, the ones who were train conductors, the ones who taught Sunday school, the ones who have questioned God, the ones who have wanted singing, the ones who say, I just want to feel better. I just want to go home. I want to mow my lawn. I miss my mother. I want to see my children. I want to plant a garden, maybe three rows of potatoes instead of 13. It is an ocean, a sky, a quilt, a cavern, a cathedral. I toss a stone and see if it makes a sound. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay, my name is Ernest. Um, um, I don't want to go into the introduction again uh, since um, uh, Penny um, has introduced um, all of us. I will um, go straight um, to my poem or to my verbatim poem because it's a different kind of poem. And uh, since uh, in CPE, um, we are used to verbatim. And um, I guess that. Um, the new students um, have written a lot of verbatim. Yeah, so this is verbatim poem. I don't know that verbatim is about dialogue. Yeah, so this poem is also about dialogue. So the, um, the poem is titled, um, The Forgotten Samaritans. And um, it, it describes um, my CPE experience. Uh, um, and um, Carla is going to also participate. Yeah, so. So let's start. What is the poem about? The Bible tells the story of a good Samaritan. COVID taught us the story of the forgotten Samaritan. I had wanted to title this poem, The Dead Samaritan. I am a witness to the forgotten Samaritans, not a dead Samaritan. Who are the forgotten Samaritans? Hospital staff that died after contracting COVID. Remaining healthcare workers after others had left. Low wage workers screening rooms of COVID patients. Healthcare workers coping with traumatic COVID experience. Why are they forgotten? Wounded internally, but smiles to conceal the wound. Nobody cares about post-COVID trauma. Clapping from a distance is not caring. Caring is asking listening, and supporting. What are their pains? Patients dying in pain, not dying well. Patients refusing vaccines, but accepting ICU beds. Traveler nurses, droning hospital resources. High staff turnover, limiting the effectiveness of the care team. Would you please compare a good Samaritan versus a forgotten Samaritan? A good Samaritan risks his life to care for a stranger. A forgotten Samaritan risks 
his or her life to care for a COVID patient. A Jewish traveler abandoned a fellow wounded Jewish. Chaplains abandoned nurses and COVID patients. A good Samaritan is remembered. Forgotten Samaritan is forgotten. What did you do? I visited. I asked questions. I listened and I heard them. I prayed with them and I promised to remember, never to forget. I completed a sermon titled The Forgotten Samaritan. The Forgotten Samaritan is a story of my CPE. Thanks to my CPE supervisor, preceptor, and peer. This uh, um, verbatim poem um, is dedicated um, to all health workers that are working tirelessly, risking their life to save patients' lives, but not a kind of considering the dangers of their own life also. Thank you. I would like to share with you a scripture from Proverbs 16, extended CPE edition. <laughs> Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and healthy to the body. But words of noticed truth and observed habits are like a casserole straight out of the oven, too hot to hold and yet necessary for nourishment on a cold winter's night. The great sustainer offers to us this balm of honeycomb and a potholder to shield us from being burned by that which is offered to us as nourishment. As we receive feedback in CPE, it is a hard thing to hold. It is often far too hot for our own hands to bear because we don't understand the heat of the oven. Through our peer groups, through kind words, and through honeycomb, through words offered in care and genuine concern, we are able to hold these things with the potholder of grace, knowing that it is offered to us so that we may be sustained to go forward, to do more, to do better, to grow, to know ourselves, and yet not be burned so that our hands are ready to be open to receive what we hear. Each of us had incidences in the hospital or in our settings that were special to us in some way or another. So I offer to you this reading. She wondered which way to go. I met Joy in the hallway, wondering which way to go. We walked together down the right path. And the next day, Joy greeted me and spoke of journeys and previous ways. Joy sat in a space of unknowing. Would her beloved arise after the stroke or would he not? She wondered which way to go. Days passed. I entered the room where graciousness, acceptance, and song greeted me. Yet in another room, joy lay waiting. Would she be found or would she languish? She wondered which way to go. The sun followed the moon and joy held hope's hand as the breath left. Do I die now? Joy whispered. Do I die or do I live? She wondered which way to go. The world continued to turn and joy spoke of great love and the celebration of a life well lived. Do you feel like celebrating, I asked? No, she replied, but we go on. And she wondered which way to go. I hope I remember what I wanted to share with you this morning. 
I, I will say that CPE for me is everything that Penny and my cohort has shared and more. Um, I had, wow, to say that my experience was transformational would be an understatement. You see, I had the blessing of two placements, one here in Harrisonburg and one in my um, place of residence in Roanoke. One was a hospital, one was a retirement home. And in each place, I experienced God, other, and me in ways that I never thought could be so incredibly profound and life-changing. When I first started the journey to be formally ordained in, in ministry, I kept saying to myself, well, Lord, wherever you take me is where I'll go. But I had no clue where I was going. If I take my glasses off, and unless it's right in front of me, I can't see it. I'm blind as a bat. And so it was like I had my glasses off, and then lights were out, and I was in a windowless and doorless room when I first started this journey. I kept saying, Lord, whatever you want is where I will go. And I was clueless. I was clueless. Until this summer. This summer was incredibly difficult work. It was challenging, but it was rewarding. And at the end of my time in CPE, I found out where I was called to go. And you have to know, I went kicking and screaming. Don't tell Penny that. <laughs> because I've always known that loving God, loving others as myself, and loving myself in that, those three things, has been my call. It's been my ministry vision since I was like 14. 13. I'm not going to tell you how many decades ago that was. Um, but loving the other, loving God and loving myself, is what I'm called to do. Now, don't get me wrong. If, if God calls me to pastor a church somewhere, I'm going to pick up the phone. But I feel like chaplaincy is where I'm called. And every time I would walk into a room, whether it was a hospital room or at the game afternoon activities at the retirement center, the retirement home, I was scared. My anxiety ramped up beyond control sometimes. But CPE taught me more than just how to be present. CPE taught me more than just how to, how to engage, how to help others to find their own spirituality, help themselves find their, help others find their purpose. You see, as an educator, one of the things I learned is that, like with marching band, sometimes there are kids that are good for groups, and there are groups that are good for kids. And that was my experience this summer. And God was present in every bit of it, nudging, leading, I'm kicking and screaming, Known few choice words, forgive me, Lord, I'm sorry. But I went. I answered the call. I was blessed by an amazing cohort that to this day I sing their praises and they don't even know it. Blessed with an incredible educator, I sing her praises and she doesn't even know it because they helped not just to make my 
CPE experience that much more fruitful. They helped me to grow so that I might live out the call to love God, others, and self. And like the penny said, um, next month I will be starting um, a chaplaincy residency position. And I'm so happy about that, y'all. I could just do a jig. You just, you know, you just, I, I cannot explain it other than to say, when I went into CPE this summer, I had no clue. And when I walked out, it was like the conversion, the scales just kind of fell away from my eyes. And as hard as I know that this experience has been and will be, it is only going to make me a better me. It's only going to draw me closer to God so that I can love God, love others, and love even myself better. Let's sing number 636 as a response. Number 636. Start with the refrain after the intro.
We wish to thank Penny and the CPE cohort from this summer for joining us and leading us in some inspiring worship. Perhaps today you have felt God's tug on you to explore chaplaincy, to explore CPE, and if that is so, I invite you to see Penny after the service, or if you are joining us virtually, contact Penny through email. And you can send me an email because my address is on the back of the bulletin and I can connect you with Penny. But thank you again. As we move forth today, let's keep in mind next week's chapel service, which is going to be an All Saints observance. If you have photos of those that you have lost this year that you would like to have included as part of that service, please send those to me at the email address on the bulletin, courtney.joiner at emu.edu. Also, we have a second chapel observation next week we have a thursday chapel service sarah nahar is going to be joining us and joining many activities on campus as she will be with us for about five days and sharing with us all that she is learning and researching as a phd candidate in religion and environmental science and the intersections of those so we hope that you can join us both tuesday and thursday next Next week. Our benediction comes from a prayer for schools and learning communities. Come among us, Holy Spirit and create a community of learning. Help us grow in wisdom and understanding, in skill and strength, in knowledge that honors you. Teach us to know you, ourselves, and our neighbors more fully, to see your presence in the world more clearly, to love more deeply, with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Form us as doers of justice and lovers of mercy as we walk humbly with you and one another on this path of learning. Amen. <laughs>